0: I'm excited for today's guest on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This person is very special to me. Her name is Dr. Diana Salazar and her story is truly inspiring. Diana's first role with the company was as a receptionist in Northridge, California. And what's even more exciting is that today she is a successful chiropractor running her own practice in New York City. Diana's rise from being a receptionist to holding different roles within the Cutco organization such as recruiting assistant, sales rep, assistant manager, as well as advancing to branch manager and division office manager, is a testament to her dedication and hard work. Here's why you should listen to what she has to say. What sets Diana apart is her dedication to personal growth and development. She truly understands the importance of putting in the work in order to continue to improve and put herself in a position of choice. Her success in life has given her options that align with her goals and dreams. Diana is not just our guest today. She is my awesome sister-in-law. My name is Danny Garrido, and I'm proud to introduce her. Let's get on with today's episode and learn from Dr. Diana Salazar, the stepping stones in her life, her journey, her insights, and the life choices she's made along the way.
1: and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited today to be able to introduce you all to Diana Salazar. Diana is the sister-in-law of Danny Garrido, very well-known Cutco sales professional in the Western region who has been featured on this podcast in the past. And Diana started working in Cutco Vector when Danny was a manager in Southern California. She actually began in a receptionist role or what we might call a recruiting assistant nowadays. And that grew into her learning more about the recruiting side of the business. She eventually decided to sell Cutco as well had some solid results as a sales rep, became an assistant manager, and eventually as far up as a division office manager in the Los Angeles area. Ultimately, Diana got into the chiropractic industry. She moved to New York to pursue that. And recently, she has begun her own chiropractic practice. And she credits her Cutco Vector skills as having been instrumental in helping her build her career and now to build her own business. She has always strived to put herself in the best possible position of choice while in Vector and also while advancing throughout her career. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit here today. Diana Salazar, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Dan.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be able to have this conversation. I'm grateful to Danny for the introduction as well. Uh, yeah, start by telling us a little bit about your personal background.
2: So I am a born and raised Angelino from Los Angeles, California. And my parents are both from Ecuador. So I am um, a very proud Latina. I am one of five siblings. I have a big family. Whenever we order anything, it's for 19 people. It's crazy. <laughs> One of those wonderful people is Michelle, which is my sister, and that is Danny's wife. And I've known Danny since I was six years old. He taught me how to throw a football, and that was always a very impressive skill as, as a woman. So
3: <laughs> yeah, um,
2: I actually graduated with art history from Cal State University, Northridge, and I took all my science classes literally just for fun just to do something that was opposite from art and the creative world and writing papers. I took all the classes just for fun, just to balance out my brain. And when I was 24, I had this big conversation with my sister. And I'll kind of go into that later later on. But I realized that I wanted to become a chiropractor. And luckily, I had all of the requirements that I needed in order to get into school that same fall semester. Which, if I didn't take all those classes for fun, that wouldn't have been possible at all. Yeah. So in 2017, I graduated from chiropractic school and got my doctorate. So I'm Dr. Diana Salazar now. And moved to New York City five years ago, almost. And went through the the pandemic, went through everything. And yet somehow decided to open up my own practice here in Manhattan. And my goal is to to have multiple offices that all help minority chiropractors have their office in a very like a quicker way and just be able to help as many people become business owners faster and with more ease.
1: All right. Great overview. I look forward to talking about a lot of these things. 19 people in the family. Wow. That's one, uh, that's one I would not be able to relate to for sure. That's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and I love that you're an art history major and yet you have gotten into chiropractic. I think that there's just for young kids listening that might be young Cutco Vector reps, like what you major in, you should major in something that you like, that you have fun with, that you enjoy, get the network while you're in college, develop some of the habits while you're in college, get your experience and skills through your Cutco Vector job. And you may pursue what's in your major, you may not, right? But don't be so tied into pursuing exactly what you're majoring in down the road. I do think that everybody could learn something from your path and have that degree of flexibility as they they go through school.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. So how did you end up working with Danny?
2: Well, so my parents have their own business. They have a auto and body shop in downtown LA that they've had since the 70s, actually. And as an immigrant family, I was always there on summers, I was working and I was always doing like phone calls and going with my dad, like marketing, just little things here and there, always during like summer breaks. So by the time Danny opened up his office in Northridge, which was actually uh, down the street from my college, I felt like I was so prepared to take on the receptionist role. And as him being my family member, I really wanted to support him and do everything that I possibly can to help him while, of course, getting some money on the side to help with my
1: college as well. Nice. yeah. And and this was around 2009? Is that right?
2: This was around, I think, 2009. Yeah. Okay. I started college in 20, 2007. That sounds so far away and then not.
1: So. <laughs> hey, you're a lot younger than me. So there you go. So you started out receptionist role back then, this was answering incoming calls from people inquiring about working with the, with the company. And there was probably some other related roles that were, that uh, sort of played into the recruiting side of the business. I understand during this time, you learned how to actually run the interviews and you were actually doing interviews as well. So you played some of the roles of an assistant manager here before you were even a sales rep. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So I loved being able to connect to people on the phone, being able to make them laugh, being able to get them to get really excited about the job over the phone, and then to see those same people show up in the office and meet them and everything. And then also see those same people do really well as sales reps. It was just so inspiring to me and fun. And we had such a great office, even as a receptionist team. And I ended up having a really good show percentage And one day, Danny calls me into his assistant manager meeting and is like, Hey, Diana, read the script. And so I stood there and I was like, okay. And I read the script to him and he's like, and that is how you do it. Um, (laughs) After that, he pulled me in and he's like, Hey, are you okay if you try and do an interview? And I was like, sure. So anytime that someone... It, this is kind of like a running theme in my life is I try to be as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> so right now, uncomfortable. Back then, uncomfortable. And he was like, do you want to do this interview? And I was like, sure. makes me uncomfortable. Go for it. So that was something that I started doing slowly. And I ended up having a really good show to training. And I loved working with the with the assistant manager team. It was something that was just kind of took it to the next level. And I really started kind of enjoying that part and and having really good show percentages. So I became an assistant manager and it was just such a fun time to be able to go now, not only talking to people on the phone, but now going to the campuses and talking to other students at my school and just kind of explaining what I'm seeing just from assistant manager and a receptionist role of seeing people's successes. Of course, the, the Cutco vector, like the job itself is not easy. And it's not something that's for, it's not just something that you just show up and you do. And it's something that really creates a lot of of effort, which is why it's so, it gives back so much as well. And I noticed that the people who were excited to push themselves and, and learn a lot and wanted a job that wasn't just a check-in, check-out kind of job, that I was able to have that conversation with them and get them to really show up to training and all that stuff.
1: That's great. I love how you were willing to take on more responsibility in the role. You know, not everybody does that, but that's certainly one of the things we try to do with people as they're coming up in the Cutco Vector organization is give them responsibility and give them the chance to rise to that occasion and that you were willing to do things that made you uncomfortable, right? That's where growth happens, right? Mm -hmm. Outside the comfort zone is where growth really happens. And so, really. um, it was cool that you, uh, were willing to do those things, you know, at a young age early on. So it's great. So you learned the recruiting side of the business. And then later on, you decided to become a sales rep as well.
2: I did. So my, my brother, my oldest brother, uh, sold in college, and then my other sister also sold in college as well. And of course, Danny is a hall of famer. So I'm seeing all these people in my family do well in the sales aspect. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if I can beat their fast start. (laughs) (laughs) So I um, decided to go for it and to become a sales rep. And from there, I was then able to really understand the different aspects. But for me, for some reason, the management part was always the one that was the most... It felt like it, it resonated the most with me. But having the sales rep experience was definitely a huge component to it that let me understand all different parts of it. And then I ended up branching as well. Actually the the summer that I graduated from college, I branched. And I remember all my friends were like, do you want to go to this vacation? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? I'm like, I open my office on Monday, guys. I can't (laughs) I can go to that trip. I can't do this, but I'm gonna, you know, I have to do all these things. I'm very excited about it.
1: Nice. So you sold you sold about seventy five hundred in your fast start. Danny told me.
2: Oh, good um,
3: that's hard for is me. That,
1: now. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so you became a branch. That's great. It's amazing. Tell me, you know, some of the lessons that you feel like you learned about leadership or about entrepreneurship during your management experience with Vector.
2: So the biggest thing I realized that during while being a manager is to be a swan. It's to, mm. on the surface, just be gliding and being like, it's fine. And then underneath, just be pedaling really hard. <laughs> if someone has, if things are not going the way that it's supposed to, you know, learning to take a breath, pivot, be an anchor for other people and to be able to be a resource for others and to be a leader. And one of the, my favorite things that back, I don't know if the LA division has this same mantra but it was always my favorite. It was leaders create leaders. Mm. And to me, that was really important because yes, I could branch, but can I get an assistant manager in that short period of time that I have as a branch? And I did. By the end of the summer, I had an assistant manager. He was going to UCLA and I was really just advocating for not just the job, but also how can I give other people an opportunity to rise? like I did. Like little moments of, hey, do you want to be the leader on this marketing on campus? Or like, hey, do you think you can like help this person with this specific thing? They're having a hard time kind of saying what their whys are. Can you tell them what your why is? So yeah, being a leader, being able to not have my ego be a part of it and understand that I'm just one person. But if we have multiple people that are all invested in the goal and in the dream and helping other people along the way, then we can be a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I really learned during my manager time, so I had a big goal of being top 10 in the nation as a branch. And I was in the time where Joseph Diaz was there and, and everything. And and there was a like, he just killed it. <laughs> and I remember, I think I got like, Number fifteen or something like that, but it was the end of the summer. I closed out my office and I was pissed. I was so angry at myself for the good like month until the until the next meeting. The I think like the coc or the the biggest meeting. Mm-hmm. I was so upset that I didn't get top ten. It's just like I tried so hard, like. And then so many people were trying to console me. Danny was a huge part of it. They're like, "But you got an assistant manager, but like each people, like all of them were really happy. Like your receptionist team was the top and I didn't care. I was just like, I didn't hit my goal. They hit my goal. So I show up and I look around at the meeting and I was like, Hey, where's this person? And I knew that that person's office had started and they were like, Oh, they didn't do what they wanted to either. Like they either closed or they just didn't hit their own goals. And then I realized that, that me being so hard on myself for the month and a half had just tainted all the work that I had done myself. Mm. I've been so upset that I, that I didn't hit all of the goals. I didn't give myself enough credit for the goals that I did hit
3: mm-hmm. the
2: people that I did help. And the people who showed up to Vegas with me and and the celebration that it really was. And I remember that year I had my, my New Year's resolution and I was like, what is my New Year's resolution? And I realized that it was to be a better loser. Mm. That was my New Year's resolution. And that has always been one of my goals every year is to be a better loser because mm. we can't hit everything all the time. We're not perfect. And I had a huge perfectionism issue that I, you know, continue to battle every single time, but to just be happy with what happens, to work really hard, to do the best that I can. Not saying that I'm expecting to lose or to expecting to not hit my goals, but that whatever it is, that that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Whatever I learned, that that was good enough because that was what was needed. That was what was important. That needed to happen in order for me to learn humility, growth, to be hungrier, to do all these things that I really wouldn't have learned if it would have gone perfectly like I wanted to.
1: Yeah. Great lesson. Great lesson. A lot of good stuff in there from being the swan, right? Having composure and presence in dealing with people, but underneath you're you're pushing hard, you're working as hard as you can, you're doing everything you can, right? I think that's great, especially for branch managers. And then wanting to be a leader that creates leaders, right? I love that as well. And uh, you know, you being hard on yourself for not hitting all of your goals, and then rethinking that a little bit later—the uh, the be a better loser concept. There's something I've learned. It's about how we attribute our successes and failures. And the the general idea of the lesson is that when we succeed we should always be looking at what we did what were the reasons why we succeeded what helped us get there we should always be looking at that and then with our failures right we can look at what were some of the things that contributed to me not hitting this goal maybe even some outside circumstances that played in and not be overly harder on ourselves for the things that didn't happen because life is hard business is hard. Branching is hard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you had great success as a branch manager. That was awesome compared to most people. That was fantastic. And so we we don't want to be too hard on ourselves about the failures. But on the other hand, we do want to embrace the successes and feel the credit for the successes, feel what we did right. Like that's what builds confidence for the next goals in life is when you look back at what went right and you really focus and dwell on that a lot more than what went wrong. To me, that's a very valuable lesson. And, and your point that that was good enough, the reason I think that's so true is because it's over, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't change it anyway, right? The summer is done. You can't change it anyway. And right. therefore, whatever has happened has helped shape you into who you are. It's taught you lessons, Right. There are just as many lessons and struggles as there are in victories, maybe even sometimes more lessons in struggles than there are in victories. And so it was good enough, right? I I remember Diana being at a key staff meeting many years ago in my office, and we were discussing this list of sort of provocative questions. And one of the questions was centered around if I could change anything In my life, what would I change? It was centered around that sort of concept. And this one young lady in the office named Carolyn said, I wouldn't change anything because everything that's happened to me up until now has shaped me into who I am today. And I like who I am today and I like where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought that was just a very mature way of viewing the ups and downs of life and how they prepare us for the next steps and what we want. Yeah. So seems like you share that mentality.
2: I'm very grateful for that summer, that time, the different successes and everything, because sometimes when I find myself in a mindset of frustration, I think, Diana, like switch, like pivot, it's going to be okay. And yeah, it's been so helpful throughout my life.
1: Yeah. Great. Any other memories or stories of, uh, Working with Danny or working in management or anything else from your Vector days?
2: I think just also the friendship has been really wonderful. I still am in touch with my assistant manager crew. We went to each other's... Now people are, are they're married and they're moving, they're getting houses. They're just kind of in the different parts of life. And my niece actually, this summer, started working as a sales rep. Yeah. I texted my assistant manager team. And I said, Hey, I shared your number. I said the whole thing after because she did a demo for me. And I was like, I shared your number and I sent it to you guys just because now dot, 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 we old ha ha ha. And so (laughs) (laughs) she's like, I'm not an HM three. It's like, yeah, but you're an M and you're a three. So (laughs) it was just so fun. So I I think the memories and the, the friendship, the way of You know, I had two other female assistant managers that were with me when I was a receptionist. There was a lot, obviously, most receptionists or the recruiting managers were female. When I was a division office manager, I was, I think there was one or two others in the area that I was around. And for me to be someone who was in my 20s, And being a division office manager and working with people like Brennan Brown and working with a lot of other people who just were very seasoned and strong people. And just having that was very wonderful for me. Yeah. It was just one of those moments where I could go to another Dom's office and we could talk about how to be a strong woman, how to be able to just connect with all different seasons of life. And it's different for a woman to do that versus a man and being able to be that person and to kind of grow into those heels, grow into that, that suit through the management role and through Vector and through branching and assistant manager and, and doming. That's all been so wonderful.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Love hearing it, Diana. Great, great stuff. Thanks for sharing all that. That's cool. Yeah. So somewhere along the lines here you decided to be a chiropractor as you're mentioning you talked to I think it was Michelle about that and you got into chiropractic school and then when you finished chiropractic school you went to New York is that right
2: Exactly Yeah um, tell
1: tell us about that path
2: Yeah so when I was 24 I got accepted into this business program that was in London and I was Going to live in London for a year. I had gotten already accepted into this program. They were going to pay for housing and a job and everything. And actually, a huge part of the reason why I got into that program was because of my time with Vector. But then the job that I wanted was not going to be available to me when it was supposed to be. It was going to be six months later. And they were like, if you really want this type of job, then you're going to have to wait, or we can switch it to something else. And I told them, no, I, if I'm going to go to another country and do all this, I want to do it with this type of job. They're like, no problem. So during that six month time period of me kind of still working with Cutco, still doing all of those things, I had this big conversation with my sister, uh, Yoli, and she, my whole life, my family as well had been telling me like, you should be a chiropractor. You should be a chiropractor because from a very young age, since I was, like six, seven. I remember having really good hands always being like, Mom's not feeling well. So can you go massage her? Can you just make sure she's okay? So I was known as the little doctor in my family, mostly because I'm the youngest. And so everyone was like, Mom doesn't feel great. You do it. <laughs> so my sister was just like, Diana, I know you're gonna go and do this in London, but I really think you should look into chiropractic school. And so she had been telling me that since since high school. And I pushed her off and told her like, I'm not going to become a doctor just so I can adjust you all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do all this work just so I can take care of you guys all the time. And she's like, just do it. Just humor me. So I call and, and do that. And all of a sudden, when the person who asked me, why do you want to become a chiropractor? This whole thing came out of my mouth. And I didn't even know it was there and how it was in alignment with How it was raised, how it was holistic, how I love the fact that I could help people, and how most chiropractors are also their own business owners, and how that could also work with all the experience that I had already gained. So I didn't realize that I had an answer until I had to really answer the question from someone else that wasn't my family. And after that, it was a very quick thing. Like I, was now going to be in chiropractic school and now on this journey. And it was extremely challenging, but I felt like I was finally ready to take that on and to be like, yes, I'm going to go in a doctorate program and I'm going to put everything else aside. A lot of wild things happened during that time. My mom had a stroke. My dad had a like heart attack. And through it all, my family kept on being strong. And all 19 of us were like, Diana, you go and you just, you focus on school. You do what you need to do. And that in itself is always like, I'm always going to be grateful to the fact that I honestly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the people that had kept on reminding me that like, yes, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can be there. And yes, you can like, it's going to be okay. So then I graduated in 2017. And... I was kind of deciding where I wanted to have my license because you have to be a license in each state that you want to practice. And I realized that you know what? I've always wanted to live in New York. I've always wanted to, like I every time I was here, I I loved it. And I looked around, even though it was chaotic and intense and and overwhelming. And I was like, Yes, these are my people. So I always wanted to live here. And I just decided that, you know what, this is the time. I don't have a family. I don't have kids of my own, everything like that. And this is the opportunity for me to really challenge myself and just go for it. Even though I'm such a family person, I love my family so much. And and it was extremely challenging to, to make that decision. But I do a lot of meditation. At the end of the day, I felt like the person that I needed to be needed to have the experience of, of living here. And she, she needed New York just as much as I in New York. So I, I moved. And every time people ask me, like, why do you live here when you're from California? <laughs> it's always just been like, it just felt like it was necessary in order for me to be, to be me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so you started out working for another chiropractor, right? I did. And yeah. you were in that role in 2020 when the pandemic came along?
2: I was, yeah. Oh
1: man, what was that like?
2: It was so many different intense moments, like wild moments that like, I think only in like the area that I was specifically in dealt with that, which was like the grocery stores were really empty, having to make a list and then realize there's nothing on your list that's gonna be there. So you just just gotta go with it and be like, oh, I guess I'm gonna learn how to make this and just figure it out. And I had lost my job March 13, Friday, the 13th of 2020. And I started working again in July, 2020. So our office had closed and then a a slow opening. And it was just such a challenging time because I had so much of my identity was what I did and how I helped people and how I showed up for other people that it was now very confusing to not have that at all and to try and figure out you know we all went went to therapy at that time i felt like mm-hmm. it was just such a wild time to be a part of but i think what i really gained from that was that the people who did come into the office and did show up in person and let someone else be less than 6 feet away from them It was such a, like, I was just so grateful to be able to literally, I was the only person that people would see outside of their family. And for them to lower their defenses and be like, this is what I need to do for myself, either to get out of pain or just to be able to have something to somewhere to go to. The fact that I was someone's safety, even though we were less than six feet apart, was just so wonderful. And just mind blowing to be like a hands-on doctor and work with someone in that capacity and help them to feel better and help them to get relief from the work from home, horrible posture that everyone kind of went through and to reverse the, the stress that was in people's bodies, reverse the uncomfortability that was happening, just being outside interacting with people. It was really like It just increased my gratitude Mm -hmm. to people for just showing up, for taking the train, for taking a walk, for somehow getting themselves to my location.
1: Yeah. And for a while, you, again, you were working for another chiropractor, but somewhere along the lines here, you decided it was going to be time for you to take another risk, do another uncomfortable thing. And you started (laughs) your own practice, right? When did you start?
2: I started about three weeks ago.
1: Just started it amazing,
2: yeah. so I'm in the in the depths of the uncomfortability for sure, and yeah, it just felt like it was something that was very necessary. It was a lot quicker of a turnaround than I really expected it to be, but I'm so grateful, and it took about a year for me to be okay with the idea of doing of having my own practice in New York mm-hmm. because a huge part of me had said my plan was to work in New York, and then go back to California and to open my practice there. Right. It's the easiest route. It's the most supportive route. Right. It's the route that allows me to feel as safe and comfortable as possible. It's the one that makes the most sense. But it took a year for me to be like, no, I'm going to do it here. This is my home. This is a place that I, I still have more work to do in so many different avenues. And, and I love the fact that New York is a place that has allowed me to interact with such different people who really like me seeing them do their best, whether it's being a creative source on a TV show, whether it's working for like an SNL show or being a, a dancer or being like just someone who is unapologetically themselves. It allows me to yeah, I'm gonna throw on Sublime in the office. Yeah, I'm gonna, do, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put on some Spice Girls in the office, and it just gives the beauty of New York is that it just lets you be you. And I accepted that that I wanted to stay in New York and, and open my practice here, and and I'm very grateful. That this is Yeah. Is.
1: Well, how are you using your vector cutco skills to build your current business, and maybe even you know how you've used them over the last few years to help build the businesses that you were a part of?
2: I feel like the biggest way that I've been able to use my vector experience in my business now is that the whole point of doing a demo is to understand what the person actually needs. Like, what do they cook? What knives would they use? How big is their family? What does that picture look like that they do every single night when they are in the kitchen? asking questions to them and then writing it down and trying to remember and, and giving them exactly what they need and not trying to give them what I think is the most expensive, whatever I think is like, is, you know, would make me hit my own goals, but to allow them to, to say yes to things that, that they want to say yes to. So, hearing people and having that active listening skills that's what's really translated so much into working with a patient because I need to hear why are you here today like what are your goals what does your day look like like are you someone who wants to wake up in the morning and do posture training exercises are you someone that hates that like what is it that you need and then just finding, how they can say yes to their own goals and giving them permission, like to say yes to their own self-care, self-help and, and just be able to be a, a facility for that. Mm. Um, so just the, like the listening, knowing their goals, hearing their whys, expressing who I am, and then being able to grow together, that's been huge, and that's taken a long time to just even be okay with. Just having those active listening skills and communication skills are huge. So that is something for sure that I've learned and I 100% feel like Vector has helped me with. The other thing that I feel that is super important in my life now is definitely being the rock. So just like how when I was a manager and I needed to be a swan and I needed to be a leader and an anchor, I am an anchor 100% now. People come in and and anytime anyone no matter who you are if you feel pain, it's confusing, it's scary, it's like is this what my life is going to be like forever? And everyone needs someone that tells them it's going to be okay. And here's how we're going to do that. And me like being able to get college students to to feel like they're excited about their goals, excited to do phone time. Is the same thing that is me getting the patient to feel excited about their own health, to feel excited about going into the office and to do, you know, a little bit of self care, even though they have kids, a very, very hard work life, or something that's very new for them to do for themselves. Mm -hmm.
1: Cool, I like it. What are some of the challenges you're facing now in in uh, building your own practice?
2: Well, the paperwork. It's quite annoying. <laughs> it's very frustrating doing all those little things, getting everything done. Uh, I feel like the challenges are always, you don't know the questions you need until you figure out what the questions are. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what you know until you know what you don't know. Right. So I think that's a huge thing that I'm just kind of going through is the growing pains. Uh, managing my own stress is also an important part. So I feel like. Being able to have a community is so helpful right now, even with feeling anxious or feeling like, when is the state gonna get back to me? When is this paperwork gonna get back? A lot of that, instead of putting the pressure on myself and the stress on myself, it's been really wonderful to be able to talk to people who are just uplifting and remind me of of that it's gonna be okay. So I'm definitely going through that growing pain right now, but it's been really wonderful to be able to be like, okay pivoting, hitting the ground running, have a long list of to-dos that don't ever go down. <laughs> they just change into different things to do. But to really be like so grateful of that little moment in time where I push the button from the reminder of like completed. I'm like, ah oh. <laughs> so that's been definitely a challenge is just managing my emotions, managing expectations and just learning to to just go with the flow of of
1: paperwork, yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's only been a few weeks, but how do you feel it's going so far?
2: If you would have asked me like a week ago, I would have said scary. But I really, I'm so happy. Like the ability to have my own freedom, set my own schedule. I got my own planner pad, which I use during my my um, sales rep days to like plan out my stuff. I just kind of went back into that mode of okay, I have a, I have time. So now I have to make sure I use my time wisely, which is such a skill I developed during Cutco and and Vector and and sales, and specifically in sales, because you have so much freedom, but sometimes I can be not the best when not used properly.
1: Yeah. And you you talked earlier about being a leader for females in the LA area of Vector. Why is being an example for female leaders important to you now?
2: I feel like as a Latina, especially, it's a huge, you don't see a lot of Latin doctors in mm-hmm. general. So that to me is an important, beautiful badge of honor that I, I wear so, so proudly. And also to be someone who is a first generation is another badge that I think is, is important. I speak Spanish fluently. I also know American Sign Language as well, fluently. But to be able to speak to someone in Spanish as a doctor and to be able to not have them use their kid or their translator or someone and they can just speak freely has been really wonderful. You also don't see that a lot in American Sign Language as well. Like there's not a lot of providers that know sign language. So just that in general has been really wonderful to be like, hey, I'm here and I'm I'm able to to listen. And hear you properly in the way that you want to, to speak
3: or yeah. communicate. Yep.
2: And then also as a female, I know so many people that graduated with me that also had to take the, the years of skill and learning and experience after graduating before transitioning into being a business owner or deciding to not have their own practice at all and just continue to work for someone, which is... An, like a wonderful experience in its own. But that's why for me, I'm really like my vision of my office is to cut the time in half or to have those years of working for someone else matter. Mm-hmm. So having an office that is a work to own experience where from the get-go, you are the time you're putting in to learn and to grow and to, to increase your skill level. Because you really learn the most after school. You really don't learn. You learn the science and everything like that. But the actual way of being a doctor is through time and people and experience and just years. And so my big dream and my vision is to have the opportunity for especially minorities and women to use those years of experience of time, but actually have it go towards their future and their own freedom and their own stability. And right now that doesn't actually exist in my industry. Everyone just kind of throws it off as lost years. Like, Oh, you just have to put in your time and Oh, well, but for women, especially in my age range, those lost years matter quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Like I am going to be 35 this year. And if I was someone who wanted to have, who felt like they were pressured to have children then that would make me feel even more uncomfortable. So if I can make someone who is fresh out of school feel like, okay, the patients that I see matter even more, the reviews that I get matter even more, and I'm going to use that, I'm going to learn, and it's not going to be a confusing, as confusing moment when I open my own practice that they feel supported and heard, and most of all, like as if there's a little bit of a basis, I would love to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, that's great. Thank that's you. great. Well, one of my friends out here in Silicon Valley says is known for saying you can't be what you don't see. Mm-hmm. And for all the young women listening to this podcast today, they're able to see a vision of somebody who has built their own business, who, or was starting to build her own business, but has gotten to that point, and has taken that step. And that's pretty cool. And then for the any Latina or Latino, who is listening, again, like, you're a great reflection for that. And if it's a, if it's a female who is uh, Latina in particular, you're an amazing role model, right? For a path that somebody can follow to get to the success that they want someday. Mm-hmm. And your dot your doctor, Diana Salazar. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, very inspiring. So it's pretty cool.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Well, would you say in, in closing to the Cutco Vector audience, just about putting themselves in a position where they can choose their path where they can have multiple options and opportunities and be able to make the most of their life and career as you are doing.
2: I would say that that putting yourself in a position of choice means that you have to really put in the work and the effort so then people ask you the questions. So people ask you, "Hey, do you want to be a part of a fair?" Like, mm-hmm. "Hey, do you want to open a branch? Hey, do you want to come with me to this famous person's house to do this closing sale? And to be able to be asked that question means that you have to show that you did the effort, that you care, that you are willing to to kind of be in an uncomfortable situation. And I have done fairs before, and I have gone to these people's houses that I'm like, oh, wow, like, this is a really cool experience. But it really is just being open, being willing to do the work. And you never know what your future you is going to wish you said yes to, or is going to wish you worked harder. So having no regret by really just doing everything possible, even if you don't feel like you would want to say yes to it, at least be asked, at least be someone that, that someone would think of different opportunities.
1: Yeah. Great, great input right there. Do put in the work so that people see you and what you're doing and say, Hey, you're awesome at this. How about, do you want to do this? Like that's just a great way of viewing the opportunity that people have, especially here at Cutco Vector, where there's an unlimited amount of new challenges they can take on and and new roles they can play as they advance Mm -hmm. in the company. So great stuff. Diana, this has been great. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful to Danny for introducing us and grateful for you for the value you brought to the audience here today. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful.
1: All right, that was Dr. Diana Salazar, everyone. Thanks to Danny Garrido once again for suggesting Diana as a guest and introducing us. If you want to listen to Danny's podcast, if you're a Cutco Vector sales rep, you should episode number 378. I love how Diana was willing to take on more responsibility as she got into Cutco Vector, said she was willing to be uncomfortable, right? I think those are some good lessons as you are advancing in your career. What she remembered most from her management time was the memories and the friendships that were built, particularly with her own team and her own staff. Any of you that get a chance to be a manager of some sort in Cutco Vector will have a chance to establish those lifelong relationships with people who you help grow and mentor. And I think that's powerful. A good lesson about goal setting and a goal achievement, the idea that that was good enough, right? And again, the reason for that is because whatever has happened is over. So it is good enough for right now. It might not be good enough for next time. It might not be good enough for your future endeavors, but Whatever you have accomplished, whatever you have done has brought you to where you are now. There are lessons in that that you can learn from every experience. And so I think that's a powerful thing to remember. She's used her Cutco skills of understanding people's needs, active listening. And then, of course, being the rock and anchor for others. These are things that if you're in Cutco Vector, you're practicing right now on demos, right? Active listening, learning about people's needs. As a manager, we practice that as well, learning what motivates our people and then being the rock for others, learning that mental fortitude and strength that is an important part of leadership. In terms of being in a position of choice, Diana talked about putting in the work so other people can ask you to do more and being able to truly show what you have done. This is a critical thing. I do notice a lot of young people in Cutco Vector who get excited about taking on an internship at some sort of well-known or big name company. And sometimes they will choose that instead of a position they can take in as a manager, for example, running a branch office in Vector. And what I always encourage people to do is to ask, what does a day in the life look like in that internship? Because in the end, An internship at a company, let's say like Google, is going to be a door opener of sorts for you. But once you open that door, people are going to ask you, well, hey, so what did you do at that internship? And if what you did was essentially being an errand boy or an errand girl, that's not going to impress them at all. What you do in advancing in Cutco Vector is incredibly powerful and incredibly impressive, particularly. For people who become a branch manager, it is one of the greatest roles anybody can take on that can help them with opening future doors and having the skills to make the most of those opportunities when they get there. Keep that stuff in mind. Diana did a lot of work to put herself in a great position of choice, and it's awesome to see her now owning her own business and beginning to build something that's successful. I'm grateful again to Diana and to Danny. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.